This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. Production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, yeah, hello there. Welcome along. <laughs> the Garden Show. <laughs> well, Charlie, D- I love that opening. I do. You do. It just puts me in a kind of a comical uh, mood. Perfect. As if I needed any help. I was going to say it. Just Weird what we mood. need when we're doing the Garden Show. <laughs> Something to giggle about. That's right. Uh, I'm Frank Proctor, your sous chef of the Garden. Charlie Dobbin sits to my left, your right. Well, depending on where you're, you've got the radio situated. In fact, you might be in front of your TV if you're a Rogers Cable subscriber, right? And you'd have it on what station? Well, of course, AM740. And what station is that on your TV, though? Well, that's Channel 949. Good, I was uh, testing Rogers you. Cable. you. You're sure? Oh, I know. You're going to put Whoa. me through the paces. <laughs> you be, you just be nice to me because I'm going to have to prop you up during this entire show. Uh, I already warned Frank, and just to <laughs> let everybody else know, um, I've been rather busy down uh, with... A gang of many, many, many people at the Direct Energy Center starting the construction of Canada Blooms. We started on Wednesday, and you can hear it in my voice. Yes, you're yelling at your volunteers again. I know, exactly. <laughs> Slapping those volunteers around. That, you know, if they're not, cut their nose to the grindstone. No talking, no fun. I have to yell at them. And, of course, my voice, you know, suffers for it. It is a bit on the dusty side in there sometimes, oh, too. Yeah. Because, of course, oh, yeah. their, their construction is going on. There's hundreds of people building gardens. Yeah. So, a garden, you know, often has a lot of stone in it, and the stone has to fit. So there's a fair amount of stones being cut. <laughs> a little grinding going on there. <clears throat> a bit loud, yeah. Well, let me get to my uh, particular job here, which really basically is giving out the phone numbers. Oh, not uh, today. For the show. You'll be doing some of the answering, I oh, think, of I? the questions. Oh, okay. yes. well, I need you to help. <laughs> prepare, prepare yourself for a lot of plants to die. Uh, <laughs> 416-360-0740. That's for Toronto area callers. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 186. 186- 6-6-7-40-4-7-40. The first voice you will hear will be that of our producer, David Gaskin, who's a nice guy. And, uh, he is, he, and he he's snuck back. Off, he snuck <laughs> off to Florida last week without telling us. Can you believe that? rascal, yeah. I know. So anyway. He's um, in my bad books, I'll Yeah, we've got a uh, special guest coming up. We do. We've got a special guest. Glenn Martin will join us at the half hour just to bring us up to speed with what's going on at Scott's. Right. And as you may or may not know, Scott's is quite involved in Canada Bloom, so he'll tell us a bit about what Scott's is doing down there. But I will tell everybody who's listening, just in case you don't know what Canada Blooms is, it's Toronto's Flower and Garden Show. Happens every year in March. This is the 15th anniversary of of the festival. Um, It's an indoor garden show. So, of course, you know, sure, today is a beautiful morning and it's actually very nice. The sun's shining. It's, you know, mild, etc. It's there's still dirty snow on the ground. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it looks pretty rough out there. There's nothing growing. There's nothing green other than a few evergreens. So, if you, but at Canada Blooms, I have trees in f- maple trees in full leaf. I have magnolias in full bloom. I have rhododendrons like 
couple hundred rhododendrons in full bloom. It's real colorful, very, very pretty. And and what's going on right now is the construction of the feature gardens. Now, you are the horticultural director, is that correct? I am. So I direct the horticulture, which means wow. I'm in charge of the plants. Wow. Now, honestly, this year, I counted yeah. quarter million plants. That's 250,000 plants. Look at all the time you wasted counting those plants. I was going to say. You could have been working <laughs> and taking some of the slack off those volunteers. Poor volunteers. You around <laughs> I have such a great group of volunteers. You wouldn't believe these people. Well, it sounds like They fun. work yeah. so hard, and it is fun. I mean, they look me in the eye and they go, nowhere do I have as much fun working for free <laughs> as <laughs> I do here. <laughs> well, that's great. Exactly. So we are having fun. So do mark this on your calendar, everybody. Yep. Canada Blooms opens on Wednesday, the 16th of March, uh-huh. this coming Wednesday. It's open every day, Wednesday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., and then open on last day, Sunday, from 10 to 6. So if you can get to Canada Blooms, do so. It's beautiful. It's actually awe-inspiring. And at the Direct Energy Center. Exactly, which is at Exhibition Place. And just one other thing to put on your calendars, which is the Asian Court Garden Club. They are meeting on March the 14th, 8 o'clock, sorry, yes, 8 p.m. That's Monday, March 14th, 8 p.m. There's a seed exchange, plus a couple of master gardeners, Lori Dumont and Bonnie West, will show a slide presentation entitled Spring Awakening and Answer Questions. Lori Dumont is one of my volunteers. Right. And I actually went to high school with her as well. It's a small world. So come prepared with your questions. The Agent Court Garden Club meets at the Knox United Christian Education Center, which is at 2575 Midland Avenue, Agent Court. Refreshments are served, lots of free parking, a bunch of real nice people. So if okay. you can get there, do it for sure. Okay. We've got callers on the line. Matter of fact, really? after we take a little break here, we're going to be talking to Gloria and Lindsay. And I love this little note. Her prayer plant is not praying. Mm. So uh, Charlie will religiously answer your question uh, in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from AM740. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm the undergardener, or sous-chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, as we say hi to Gloria, calling in from Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay, how are you this morning? No, we're fine. How are you today? Good. Uh, Lindsay, you know, it's Good good morning, Gloria. Good morning. (laughs) It's Lindsay calling from Gloria. No. Hmm. I have a prayer plant, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, at least I call it a prayer plant, Mm -hmm. that I bought just over a year ago from a florist, Mm -hmm. and... um, it used to droop at night, so that that's in prayer, I'd assume. This last six months, it will come out right now. I've got five leaves on, but the leaves will start to curl, and then they dry up, and that's the end of it, and it's not progressing any further. I did transplant it into, I was told not to go much further in, um, like to keep it small. Mm-hmm. So I, I transplanted it into a different pot, was maybe an inch or two bigger than what it was in originally. That's the right, yep, it's that's the right thing. It's not doing anything. It's just it's droopy. So tell me a little bit, okay, if it is prayer plant, you say you call it prayer plant, um, what does it look like? The leaves are oval, are they, uh, they have some coloration? Well, they're oval, green, and they've got dots in them. Okay, now sort of on, a burgundy. I've got, I've got the little stick here that came with it, and uh-huh. it said rare... Red, Maranata. No, a Maranta. Maranta, yep. and then it says prayer plant underneath it. Perfect. Well, that's good reason you think to call it a prayer <laughs> plant then, because that is exactly what it is. The Marantas um, are not sometimes the easiest plants to grow in our homes. The reason why they're called prayer plants, 
Frank was making a joke when, just before we went to the break there about me answering this question, religiously <laughs> answering the question. The common name of prayer plant uh, is is based on that curious habit that the prayer plant actually folds and raises their leaves at night. They shouldn't droop at night. They should actually go upright. Oh, go up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's where the whole prayer thing comes from. Now, if you find that the leaves are getting curled and uh, some of them turning yellow or any kind of browning and, and falling off of leaves, it that typically means if something's too dry. Either oh. the environment is too dry or the soil is too dry. Okay. Now, they do love high humidity, so misting at least once a day or doing whatever you can to increase humidity is good. The other thing is do keep the soil or the compost in the pot moist. Oh. These plants do not like to dry out. Okay, maybe that's part of my problem yeah. because I, I faithfully do a watering like every four days or whatever to mm-hmm. all my plants. So maybe this is what's happening. Now, what about the size of the pot? Well, the fact that you went from one size up by either an inch or two inches is the right thing to do. Never, ever jump, you know, up to a six inch or eight inches bigger pot. The plant goes into shock. You'll know it's time to do transplanting again when roots are growing out of the bottom holes in the pot that the plant is in now. Okay, so you're unlikely if it's been struggling, you're unlikely to need to do any repotting. Keep in mind, repotting is stressful. The plant sounds like it's under a bit of stress anyway. Mm -hmm. So, like I say, do mist, mist, mist. 20 times a day, regularly. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and, and just leave it alone in terms of the pot. Water, it, it, base your watering not on the calendar, but on the feel of the soil. Keep it moist. Not soggy, but moist at all times. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you. Gloria. Yes. Yeah, Gloria, I, I, I'm here to help Charlie because she's operating under, you know, really, uh, well, extreme, oh, yeah, she's tired. Not on full so cylinders. I think, I'm no expert, I'm no expert, but I think you've been mistakenly sold a rare atheist plant. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, so that's why it's not the, praying. Well, I'll where I bought it and have a serious talk with them. <laughs> okay. You have a good day. Yeah, thanks. Right, Take bye care bye. of Lindsay for us. Thanks for your call. <laughs> All right. 9.19, the time here at the AM 740. Shall we go to another call? Sure. Here? If we can yeah, do it quicker okay. than that one, I'll well, try and yes. be a little sharper. There. All right. Ingrid from <laughs> Toronto. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question about hibiscus. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, they are supposed to be cut down in the or trimmed in the in the spring. Mm-hmm. Now I did that faithfully all these years. So hibiscus is about uh, six years old. Mm-hmm. Now this year, for weeks, I'm looking at it and I seem to have a very happy hibiscus, uh-huh. which has which is blooming constantly all last year summer i took it in in the fall it kept on blooming all winter and now it has about between 25 and 30 bucks on it constantly <laughs> and it gives me about four to seven blooms every day oh that now, damn plant my question is, <laughs> of course i hate to cut it down of course yeah uh my but it's getting big you have to that's the problem when yeah, hibiscus my, are too happy you just got to cut off some flowers I'm sorry? You're just going to have to cut some flowers off, obviously. I oh. do. I can't trim it in the fall, can I? No, you won't. You'll find if this plant is as happy as I think it is, it will still be blooming in the fall, <clears throat> number one. Okay. So you're going to, if it's blooming this much all through the winter, it's just going to keep on blooming. Okay. The other thing is um, when you cut back in the fall, the plant is slowing down. It's going into a semi-dormancy, uh-huh. <clears throat> excuse me, for the winter. So what you'll need to do in the winter, like in the fall, is just kind of slow down on your watering and let the plant slow down. It's a, well, it's a physiological. That, then then the, the leaves always get droopy. Well, well, 
all I'm saying it is that it's about a liter. I have to put every day about a liter of water mm-hmm. in the plant. Of course. And otherwise, the leaves, you know, seem hang, seem to hang down. Okay, well, it's probably time to transplant and into a bigger pot, and that well, way you I wouldn't have, have to water. I transplanted it last year. <laughs> it's a happy plant. Yeah, I You know, know what I've done sometimes? I take a, this time of year, take the hibiscus out of the pot, uh-huh. <clears throat> get a sharp butcher knife, okay. and, and saw the root roots off <laughs> all <laughs> around. Shrink the root ball, go back into the same size pot uh-huh. with some more fresh soil, because now you're going to have more room in the pot. Yeah. And the plant, of course, they're, they're very vigorous. It'll just fill that pot up with roots again very quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, but at the same time, you'd be cutting back or cutting down the top stems. Okay. <clears throat> the whole thing, sh- you shrink it down a bit. Uh, and you're just going to find you won't have to water as often. That's, that's the advantage of removing some of that root growth, make a little more room for soil. Okay. The, if you want to minimize the number of flowers you cut off the hibiscus, uh-huh. I would suggest keep an eye. At some point, each stem is going to have no buds or blooms on it, uh, and make your pruning a long-term project. I looked at that. There's, there's not one stem that doesn't have a bud on it. <laughs> You're just too darn successful. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, okay, I will do that. Uh, I'm probably cry when I do it. Okay. <laughs> well, if it's that great a plant, remember you can keep cuttings and start some new plants okay. instead of throwing all those, those oh, the, cuttings by the, away. By the way, you know, when I see the cuts that I did last year, and out of that cut, there usually come two or three new branches. Mm. When I cut it, do I cut it below those three new uh, uh, branches that came out, or do I cut every branch individually? So I've got another two growing Ooh. out of every cut. It's a very good question. You're absolutely right. When you're pruning, you have to prune for where the growth is going to happen next. Pruning and cutting plants back is very invigorating. So that's why we do it now, because the plants are actively growing. Uh-huh. I would. It's hard to say over the radio exactly how far back you want to go. Uh-huh. Personally, I'd probably go past the point where you pruned it last year. So oh. I would go back past those three points to the single point. Make sure you cut to a bud that's on the outside or facing to the outside of the plant. Uh-huh. <clears throat> that's where the next new growth will come. Yeah. So it'll grow to the out rather than to the in and get all. It, it, you'll avoid all that crossing in the center. Okay. Like the plant is about uh, three and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, just grows without the pot. Now, um, if I cut to the point where I cut last year, uh, that's about half the plant I have to mm-hmm. cut off. So up to you how far back you want to take so it. I can, I can do that without putting the plant into stress. Absolutely, because you oh. saw it just grew two feet between oh, last year yeah. and this year. It'll do it again this coming year. Super. Nope. Okay. Thank you, Ingrid. Thanks, Ingrid. <laughs> okay, thank you. Good luck much. with that. Thanks for uh, guesting with us on The Garden Show here from AM740 Zoomer Radio. Our speaking time of, is 923, and are you stretching s- over there? Exactly. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. Speaking of Zooming, that reminds me of what I've been doing the last few days, Zooming around at the Direct Energy Center. Yeah. Tons of energy required, lots of walking and talking and, and being, bending, and, bending yeah. lifting, oh yeah, being everywhere. And the only way I'm doing this, or I think something that's helping me do this, I've started taking Sierrasil, which is a, a mineral supplement, helps keep those joints limber, keeps me pain-free with all that running around, because my knees have been bugging me the last uh, few months. Well, you get to and your age, not, you know. I was going to say, they're not bothering <laughs> me now, but you wouldn't know much about yeah. that, being the young puppy you are. Exactly. It is something that, that um, can really help. If you have any stiff joints, Sierrasil, they have a website, which is very simple, sierrasil.ca, or give them a call, one joint 14 
women say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm along for the ride here, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. And, and I'm glad you're with well, me. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we say hi to Barbara, calling in from Baby Beaton, about Baby Beatles. <laughs> Hello there, Barbara. How are you? I'm fine. How are you this Good. morning? Good morning. Good morning. I've got a real problem with red beetles on my lilies, mm. and I spray, and I handpick, mm. and... In a few hours, they're all back again. Mm-hmm. How do you get rid of them, Charlie? To be perfectly honest, you can't. Oh, so just stop growing lilies? That's what I did. Oh, isn't that a sin? Because they're so beautiful. I know. They're, it's a very tough one. And, and what you say, okay, just to be clear, red, they're called red yes. lily leaf beetles. And um, they are bright, bright red. So yep. they're very easy to spot. Oh, when yeah. When I hand-pick them and kill them. But... The, you know, they're it's, tricky, it's an, though. It's a never-ending battle. Well, you know, that, you're absolutely right. Any one lily plant. Now, just to also to be clear to everybody who might not know this insect, it's an insect that's outside on the lilies in the summer when the lilies start to grow. Yes. And not day lilies here. We're talking actual lilium yeah. lilies. Yeah, with the bulb. That's right. And yeah. they eat everything. They eat the foliage. Yeah. They eat the flowers. They eat the stems. And they are voracious. They'll just chew through your lilies in no time at all. Yeah, well, they destroy them then. The mm. bulb has no nourishment. That's right, exactly. And, of course, the flowers can't open because they're all full of holes and yep. chewed up. And the worst thing about this crazy beetle is it's so easy to spot it. It's very, very break red mm-hmm. on the green. Yeah. You go to reach to pick it off. Of course you'll see 10 on the on the plant. Oh, it can scoot <clears throat> away. Well, you grab the one cuz you can easily grab one. Yeah. But as soon as you grab the one, all the other ones, their defense mechanism is they fall off onto the ground with their little red backs uh-huh. down to the ground so and, and their little brown bellies sticking up and you can't <laughs> oh, see them. Oh my God. So I you know. don't, you don't see I, their red backs anymore. You I see think, their brown bellies. I think they lay their babies in the ground, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah. One thing I do is when I, when, at the time when I'm expecting the, the red beetles to show up because uh-huh. they do eat not only lilies but I have quite a lot of fritillaria in my, my garden which is also a bulb. A bulb. And I love them and the lily leaf beetles eat them as well. Uh-huh. So, if you, I really have some time to do some picking. What I find is lay uh, white, like even just some sheets of newspaper on the ground, something that's light colored, a sheet, anything yeah. around your lilies. When you go to pick the lilies and you get the one and the other 20 drop off to the ground, you catch them on, on the, the sheets sheet. or the newspaper, whatever you've put on the ground. Right. So right away you're going to eliminate more than just one, but you're actually going to catch 20. Mm. Have a little can beside you with some water in it, uh, a drop of oil, and then just tip, you know, the, the beetles that you've you've grabbed there uh, into that can of water and oil, and they'll all drown. So right, you you can yeah. eliminate a bunch that way. Some people swear by neem oil, N E E M. Yeah. Neem oil is actually sold as a plant shine. It's uh-huh. not actually registered as an insecticide, as far as I know. But some people, like I say, have had good luck with that, mixed with water to oh, spray and spray them. Yeah. And it's, it's the idea of that oil, and also it's quite a toxic oil that, that uh, does uh, lower the population. But again, are you going to truly get rid of them? Probably no. not. Well, I guess so. I'll just have to stop growing lilies because I hate having to spray anything. Right. Mind you, I do take dish soap, 
you know, mm. and put on roses and things like that. There you and go. I've done it on the lilies too, and it might be good for the day, but then the next day, lo and right behold, again, there yeah. they are again. Because they, yeah, they, yeah. They, you can never catch them all because of the way no. the lily grows too. Yeah. They can go down inside yeah. in the center of the crown of the Boy, plant. They're insidious, aren't they? They yeah. are. And they arrived actually from, I believe it came, they came from Asia about six years ago. They arrived in Montreal and they've been moving. No moving yeah, west. I, I, well, I'm an old gardener. I'm in my 80s, and I, I've grown lilies, you know, all my life, mm-hmm. and never had a problem, and until this last two years. Yeah, exactly. They showed up in my garden about three years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been the process of them moving. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's terrible. Well, thanks anyway. You're very welcome. Thanks <laughs> for your call. I figured I'd never get rid of them. <laughs> I just confirmation. <laughs> Have a good day, Charles. You too. Right. Thanks, Barbara. Bye-bye. Thank you, Barbara. From Beaton, 930. <laughs> And I noticed that we have a caller online uh, who's going, wanted to ask a question about uh, Scott's crabgrass product. Okay, and so I'm, you're smart. You are well, thinking ahead. Uh, because I know we've got a guest coming up from mm, Scott. So maybe get... we'll go to, uh, to Bruce uh, from Etobicoke, get his question. We'll let our uh, expert from Scott's answer that when, uh, when he comes online. Uh, yeah, hello, Bruce. How are you? Hi. I haven't got a moment here, or we do have just a moment. Well, I got a quick question. Okay. Mr. Charlie, last week she had a chap phone in about crabgrass on his lawn, mm-hmm. and she mentioned a Scott's product that had corn in it? A corn gluten meal. What's it called? Corn? Corn, just like the, the stuff we corn on the cob. Yeah. Gluten, G-L-U-T as in Tom, E-N, gluten. Gluten, yeah. And then meal, M-E-A-L. Is there any number on the Covering that, like they, like the other products they have, they have ten, twenty, thirty, or three, six, eight, or whatever on the bag, on their yes, product. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I just happen to have that information right here. Yeah. Uh, well, it is a turf builder product, right? So it's Scott's t- turf builder. Turf builder, yeah. Which you may have used in the past. It's a great. It's a very good yeah, lawn fertilizer. Before. So the numbers on it, it says right on the bag. It's um got red banners, top and bottom. So you know how the turf builder is a green and white bag. Yep. When it's got this corn gluten in it, it's got red, extra red packaging. Right. The numbers on the bag are actually 10 zero, zero. Okay, 10 zero, zero. Yep, it's lawn fertilizer with weed prevent. Yeah, lawn fertilizer with weed, weed prevent. prevent. Right. Thank you, Charlie. You're very welcome. Hey, thanks Keep for listening. Uh, our, like we said, our special guest, Glenn Martin, may have some, some news or more information on this product that yeah. might be of help. Speaking well, of... Uh, called uh, corn gluten something. Corn, yeah, just remember corn gluten. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Bruce. Okay, and <laughs> the chap of whom we were speaking is on the line with us right now, Glenn Martin. Hey, Glenn. Oh. Good morning. A, morning, Glenn. Stance, yeah, huh? How coincidental <laughs> is this? It was uh, good time. You did a great job, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you described it well. Thank you very much. I just happened to have your pamphlet in my hand <laughs> that I picked up at the National Home Show. Excellent. So, <laughs> just, just your caller, just you know, yes, yeah, it's, it's turf builder weed prevent. Uh, but the, the keys is just for 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 your callers are uh, application timing is is absolutely critical for this product to work. So, um, it is a preventive preventative product. It won't kill if you've got crabgrass. It won't kill the crabgrass you have. But it does stop it from germinating, so you've got to get it down. As soon as the snow melts and the, you know we get a little bit of warm weather, mm-hmm. um, you know the ground can be moist. Get it on there before any of those uh, 
weeds or crabgrass seeds have a chance to germinate. So what's how do we what's the window? How do people know when it's too late? When the crabgrass is probably already grown? Well, yeah, as soon as you see anything sprouting at all, I mean, so re- realistically, as soon as the snow melts, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you can get it on, you mm-hmm. can get it on the lawn. Okay. Um, so sooner is better than sooner later. Is better always with that with that product than mm-hmm. later. Okay. I've always thought, use the rule of thumb that when the forsythia is blooming, the yellow blooming shrub called forsythia, when it starts to bloom, that's when you know the crabgrass seeds are are just germinating or very soon going to be fully germinated. Yeah, that's always been the uh, sort of the rule of thumb, and that's, that's, a, you know, that's a great way to sort of gauge it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know you say you should be ahead of that. That blooming. That's you know, right. At least uh, you know, a week to two weeks. So I've oh really by that yeah okay so that far just to make sure and the corn gluten meal is obviously mixed in with some fertilizer. No, it, it's, it's actually not. It's, oh, it's, it actually just is pure corn gluten. Oh, so okay. It, it has a, a nitrogen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because because it's an organic material. Mm-hmm. It actually has a, a ten rating of nitrogen, uh, you know, just inherently in the product. So it's uh. it's called a fertilizer and wheat bread, but the reality is it's, it's actually one product that has both fertilizer qualities, and the weed prevent properties. And when you put it on, does it go on really thick and just smother the weeds, or how does it go on the lawn? No, it breaks down. It actually uh, gets down at, at you know under, under the ground and prevents the, the, uh, the, the seeds from taking in moisture mm-hmm. uh, and, and, a, and allowing them to germinate. Right. So it's not a mechanic. It's actually a, a sort of a biochemical reaction mm-hmm. uh, under, underground ah. with the seeds. So yeah, it's not a, it's not you're not smothering anything. It's, right. It's just it's it's interfering uh, from that from that moisture connection with with the seed in order to in order to germinate. But you just use a regular fertilizer spreader to yep. put it out. So the spreader settings. Yeah. You know, if you've got a uh, you know a Scott's uh, spreader, mm-hmm. and it's got the number on the bag, um, and then you just set, set. that on the spreader and go, just, and then you just go. Yeah. The other thing just to know about it. I mean, mm-hmm. although it does have a a ten uh, nitrogen mm-hmm. rating. It really is not intended to to replace your regular feedings of your lawn. It's not enough mm-hmm. enough of a fertilizer charge to really sustain a healthy lawn. Well, it's certainly not a balanced fertilizer either. No, and so you know you would typically we would recommend that goes on, and then you would still um, do your regular spring fertilizing with with turf builder. Uh, you know. You know, later in the season, when you would typically do your your, your first feeding. Okay, so when and by that time, it, the lawn is actively growing. Yeah. Okay. Glenn, ahead. before the show, Charlie was mentioning you were coming on, and also at the same time mentioning that uh, you're pretty heavily involved as well with Canada Blooms. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting week coming up next week. Uh, uh, where we've got a we've got a, a booth down there, and we've got it set up with uh, all of our experts in there. So. Talk about uh, you know if you've got garden questions or lawn questions or bug questions, there'll be there'll be Scott's experts in the booth there to to help you out. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what you had at the National Home Show. That's yeah, where I picked similar. up. So we're just coming. We just had a great uh, great week and a half at the National Home Show, and lots of great uh, customer questions and uh, you know, but I pick- ideas or ask, asking about uh, how to do things and yeah. uh, it was. Uh, time so we're lo- really looking forward to this show as you <laughs> should Canada Blooms is by far the best show out there yes <laughs> I would agree I picked up uh, some very cool pamphlets at your at your um, booth there at the National there's one called Vegetable Gardening Guide Book and it's got all kinds of great information full, like real details yeah it's it, uh, there's, there's two we, we, we've developed two really sort of uh, 
uh, in-depth but but very easy to use uh, booklets, one on, on lawn care and then one on, mm-hmm. on vegetable gardening. And, yeah. and you know, Grow for Good is, is, a, is a platform for Scots going into next year. We're really trying to encourage um, those that are currently uh, growing vegetables to expand what they're doing and then, uh, more importantly, encouraging people who have never tried it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to dip their toe in the water because it's, it's really easy and the... the uh, the benefits uh, are, are just absolutely fantastic. So you're absolutely uh, promoting uh, community gardening uh, through Scotts, huh? Yeah, we've got a, a lot of projects that are they're still sort of in their infancy stages, but will be sort of uh, coming into their own this year. Mm. Um, we're involved uh, with, uh, we're going to be involved with a number of uh, retirement homes mm-hmm. uh, uh, throughout the GTA area in which uh, local high schools are going to be partnering up with them and helping build and maintain uh, uh, vegetable gardens within the, those complexes of, of, of the retirement homes. And then eventually the, the residents will, will take on those gardens and it will be an ongoing, uh, an ongoing project there. Wow. So, what a great idea that is. Yeah, mm. it's really great. It gets the kids involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, it gets them, uh, uh, you know, instills a passion for for gardening at a young age. And, That's right. It's uh, a practical application of what they're learning in yep. school. And they have horticulture classes in quite a lot of the high schools now. Yeah, and there's the, the environmental clubs, there's gardening right. clubs. And, the green uh, stuff, yeah. They've yeah. all been green teams to get involved. Yeah, and I'm thinking of the, of the social aspect of this, too, where it's so nice for seniors to have connection with the younger uh, mm. crowd, you know? And vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're really excited, and I think it's going to be a real rewarding program for everyone. But that, And that's just in the GTA. <clears throat> yeah, I was just, just trying that. It was, it was just a... It's a new program that we're mm-hmm. developing, so we're just trying to do it sort of locally so we can manage it yeah. and, and really uh, get all the uh, the bugs, uh, so to speak, worked out. <laughs> and then we planned on sort of rolling that across across the country in the outcoming years. Cool idea. Well, it, based on some of my communities in Bloom judging that I've done over the years, I have met some very vitalic uh, high school teachers who have just that. They have the green teams who do good works in the community. Yep. And, and that's exactly what you need. You need those kind of contacts. So if there's any teachers out there, anybody who ha- you know, probably has a teacher connection or school board connection, it, it always comes back to that really, that leader who will take it on at the school level. Starts sometimes with the administration, I guess, and then trickles down to a teacher to, to have the, the keen students and keep them together and keep them focused. So yeah, if there's a, anybody listening, obviously, they should get in touch with you guys through your website, perhaps? or Yeah, they can, they can do that and... Uh, and uh we're starting to collect all that, and there's a, there's a number of other projects as well. Scotts globally mm-hmm. um, has got a, a mandate that we will be building a, a, a thousand gardens yes. in the next three years. Wow, so, that's wonderful! Yeah. So, and that's from large scale projects down to small community gardens, and and we're involved in that. You know, um, for the, for those residents or for your listeners that are mm-hmm. sort of out towards the Mississauga area, we're we're uh, Heavily involved with the development of Riverwood, which is oh, yeah. a, a mass have been for green years. expansion yeah. within Mississauga. And there's there's formal gardens being built and a really really neat uh, project there. So we're we're involved in, in helping develop that, and uh, you know we're we're just in in talks with a number of communities right now um, in in terms of these community gardens that, that we're going to get involved with and, Good. and both you know floral and vegetable within within certain communities. So. It's it's uh, it's going to be a real exciting year this year, right? In terms of our involvement and 
and really helping sort of bring mm-hmm. bring the the joy of gardening to a, to a much bigger audience in many cases or in many areas where they typically uh, the, the community hasn't necessarily uh, you know had a lot of exposure to those kind of gardens. Or done it together, garden together. So yeah. community-based stuff, which is great. Well, I've got a, a website here, which is, a, it's growforgood.ca. Yep. Grow for good without the W. So G-R-O-F-O-R, good, one word, growforgood.ca, where there's obviously more information about some of the community-based projects you were talking about. And it's got a, you know, it, it takes the information from that booklet that we're handing out uh, to even a, a, a greater level. Level, okay. Of, Vegetables and ornamentals, and, yeah. how, and how to start a small, medium, large garden, how to plant it, mm. how you know a detailed list on all <coughs> types of vegetables and how to grow mm-hmm. them and, and things like that. So it's a great, it's a great resource whether you're uh, you know a seasoned gardener or or a novice. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I, with the pamphlet is great. Yeah, Glenn, we're we're kind of running out of racetrack, but I didn't want to get one more little item in. Uh, Charlie informed me, and this is of news to uh, soccer moms and dads. The BMO field, uh, you're very uh, involved in keeping that uh, nice yeah, and green, huh? It's been a, a fascinating project. Uh, Toronto, the Toronto FC Soccer Club, for for a number of years, was you know trying to get Scots on board as a sponsor, and you know when they had artificial turf, it uh, oh, good wasn't point. a great appeal. <laughs> uh, last year, they installed uh, a natural grass pitch, uh, just an engineering marvel, and uh, um, they're using Scott's products, grass seed and fertilizers, and and all the products we have in order to maintain that that turf. So it's a it's a real sort of uh, living experiment on 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 you know developing and maintaining a healthy turf and, and the abuse that it can take and <laughs> cover. So it's a it's a nice fit for us, and it's, uh, it's good uh, fun fun going down there and watching the games. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Well, listen, thank you so much, Glenn, and we, I will see you at Canada Blooms. I hope you're, yep. you've you got a booth in Marketplace. Yep. You've got Scott's people on stage in the Home Depot garden yep. uh, talking about Scott's products, so bring your questions to that. Um, there's also a Scott's Day at Canada Blooms, yes. which is what, Saturday or Sunday? Uh, I think it's next Saturday. I think it's next Saturday. Yeah, so it'll be a week today. I think it's like the first 1,000 or 1,500 people get a, a free Scott's sample of some special item yeah we've so, got a we've got a special gift for the first day uh, i think it's 1500 people coming through the doors there you go so that's next saturday uh and so thanks so much glenn hopefully we'll see you at canada blooms glad to be back and uh-huh. uh, on the show and uh we'll see you next week yeah you perfect have a, have a great week you see, Take care. see you glenn and uh glenn is the co-general manager of scott's canada so we thank obviously scott's canada for sponsoring the radio show as well you've got that right yeah. 9:44 the time here at am 740 the garden show and we're going to get harold uh, out there in waterford honest to pete we are going to get your phone call in just a couple of moments there are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening but you need only one the am 740 garden show with charlie dobbin continues brought to you by scott's and I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef, welcoming Harold from Waterford, who has a great deal of patience hanging on that line. Hi, Harold. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Good, thank you. Good morning. Good, good. I was uh, hoping if you could help me with a rubber tree plant that's mm-hmm. about five feet high, mm-hmm. uh, growing sort of out of proportions. And I was wondering, can we cut those down? Um, and I was told they bleed, so yes. I, I need to know what to do once we cut the stem, the, the roots and stems and everything, right? What do we put on it to stop it from bleeding? And how far can we cut them down? So they're about five feet tall. Are they single stem going they're all... single stem. It's not one big root, uh, one big uh, 
you know. Right. Yeah. So what happened was way back, you know, three years ago or, or more, they should have, the top should have been pinched off. Oh. And then they would have, side shoots would have branched out. And of course, you would have a, a more full plant as opposed to a single little tree. Now, you could grow it into a tree. You could remove the lower leaves, pinch the top and, and cause some branching up at the top if you wanted and become, make, make it a little tree. But you probably want more of a, a small bush. A bush. Yeah. Okay. They're called rubber plants because that's exactly what they do. They bleed latex, which is rubber is based, uh, what rubber is based on. Um, and it's white and it's sticky. And it's, you, there's nothing you can put on to stop the bleeding. What you can do and what I always do if I'm doing any kind of trimming on a plant like this is spread newspapers <laughs> below so that when there is any drip, it will not drip on your floor or your carpet, but onto the newspaper. And on a sunny day, the plant should be in a sunny location in your home. The drip will uh, stop faster in the in the sun, meaning it'll seal. It's it's like a wound, right? Okay. So it's like it's bleeding. So you want it to scab over, and it will scab more quickly on a sunny day than it will on a moist day. Uh, so that's always a good idea as well to, to do your, your cutting then. How far down can you go when it's five feet tall? How how big is the stem? Like is it, it's obviously bigger than a pencil. Well, some are, uh, say, you know, half-inch round. Mm-hmm. Some are quarter inch round. Mm. It's just growing wild. Okay, how, so how many of these? Oh, there's probably maybe 15 to 20 of these darn things growing all over. In in a big planter of some kind? It's in a huge planter, yeah. Wow, interesting. Well, so I would go along and I would cut them all down by half probably. Oh, okay. And um, I would make my cut just above a leaf. So just above by about a half, quarter of an inch to half an inch above a leaf. Oh, okay. Okay. At each of the points where there is a leaf, there's a bump in the stem. That bump uh, has a little bud on inside that bump that is completely dormant right now. But if you cut off the top, right. those little dormant buds will start to grow. Fantastic. And that will force some side shoots. So just make sure that when you do cut down to halfway high, there are still some leaves at the bottom. You never want to remove everything green off the plant or it will just shrivel up and die. It, it needs to continue to photosynthesize. Perfect. And replanting. It hasn't been replanted in 10 years. Is it possible to just break open the planter and just put another planter and fresh earth in there? Well, it's hard to say because it's hard to imagine how big this planter is. This is obviously something in a, it's in a condo or where is this? No, it's in our our sunroom right in the front of the house. And I would say the planter's probably a foot and a half to two feet round. Okay. Or just leave it and add extra. I was going to say, I'd be inclined to leave it. And I would very carefully with some little trowel or spoon... Okay. T- take soil off the surface. Right. Don't, you know, try not to do any root damage, but just do some skimming of the old soil, particularly when it's all white and crusty. It's got salt buildup in it. Skim soil out. Toss that out into the composter. Get some fresh, nice fresh potting soil, good quality potting soil, and get your level back up. Soil does disappear in okay. our planters. So even if we're not transplanting, we typically can always add a little bit, even if it's only, you know, half an inch just to get back to the level the soil was. But if you skim some off, you might add as much as a half an inch or more, an inch of soil to the planter, and that will help as well. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks thanks for your call. Thank you very much, Harold. Pleasure to have you here on The Garden Show from AM740. 
And it's uh, 9.52, and it's a time for me to go through the exercises once again with Charlie <laughs> to make sure she's all limbered up for the old uh, Bloom show. The old Bloom, Bloom, that, that concrete floor where I'm about to spend the next <laughs> 13 hours. Yeah, that's it hard is. your back. Well, particularly when you, you only do it for six days a year, <laughs> or in my case, 12 days a year. Right. So, um, yes, indeed. Uh, Sierra Sill is um, made from minerals found in the, in the Sierra Mountains. It doesn't work for everybody, but for those of us that have anything stiff, whether it's hands or knees or elbows, for whatever reason, whether it's because we're playing too much tennis or we're shoveling too many driveways or standing on too much concrete or wanting to get out in the garden, Sierra Sill can really help limber up those joints. And uh, it, like I say, it doesn't work for everybody. The company does say you will feel something within 14 days. If you don't, your money is back guaranteed. And that's where the, the phone number comes from. one joint 14 for more information. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And our producer, David Gaskin, having done a fantastic job. Thank you, David, as we're approaching the end of the show. Yeah. I'm Frank Proctor, your sous chef. <laughs> or undergardener, as undergardener, I like to yes. think of you. <laughs> we do have time for a few emails, you know. Do we? Yeah. Thank you. You're, you're kind well, of... A- Producer, well, co-host. I am, I, no, I, I'm you're, the executive. You're very uh, multi-purpose. <laughs> <laughs> you're the executive. Uh, okay, don't. Pat Eisen <laughs> sent an email, and she was asking about a clematis or clematis that she owns. It, the the um, cultivar she's growing is called Jillian Blades. Mm-hmm. Now, Jillian Blades is a lovely clematis. She indicates in, in the letter, Pat says, her clematis gives abundant, beautiful white flowers in early summer. Then she said, I think it's supposed to bloom again in late summer, but it never has. I don't fertilize it, fertilize it as I'm not sure what to use. Also, the leaves do not drop off during the winter. They are very dry and ugly, and I'm wondering if I can uh, prune the vine now. It's about five years old, and last year, when I waited until early spring to prune it, it was already starting to bud. Well, frankly, Pat, that is the right thing to do. Wait till spring. Um, the, the Julian Blades is one of the group two clematis. So if you wanted to look up, they come in different groupings, which all connects to when we prune them. So group two clematis are always bloom, in this case, bloom on last year's wood in early spring. So you only prune very lightly uh, just back to the first set of buds in February or March. So don't be cutting it way down low. Instead, you'll just prune off any little bits of deadwood, which will be obvious once it starts to grow, But um, and just prune the tips on everything. You'll get lots and lots of flowers early in the spring. Now, then, as you point out, you could get some flowers later on as well. It could continue to flower, which is true. So allow the plant to just grow from that point. So light pruning in the spring, fertilizing, yes, indeed, all-purpose fertilizer. I personally like about you know, 15, 30, 15 kind of number uh, for fertilizing clematis. Every two to three years, prune this plant hard. Prune it right down almost to the ground to about eight inches tall. And you'll do that again in early spring. And that will be very invigorating for the plant. So every two to three years, hard pruning. In the meantime, just light pruning in the spring oh, and fertilizer. Really? And Charlie Dobbin's uh, email address here at the station, by the way, if you uh, would like to send a little email, it's C as in Charlie, uh, Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at am740.ca. And you have another one there, do you? Thank you very much. Um, I do. I have a quick one. This is about uh, perennial salvia. 
uh, somebody, one of our listeners, Joanne, wrote in and said she planted perennial salvia two years ago at her home in Brampton and her father's in Aurora. Tell me if I can divide them and how and when and the risks because she doesn't want to lose the plant. She really likes it. Here's the bottom line on perennial salvia. And this could be an edible, like a, the herb salvia, mm-hmm. sage, or it could be an ornamental salvia. There's lots of them out there. Spring or fall, either one is fine for digging and dividing perennial salvia. You know it's time to do that digging and dividing when the center of the plant starts to be open, the plant starts to flop, there's dead center to the plant and all the growth is on the outside. So only replant the healthy outer pieces when you dig it up, Mm -hmm. chop it up, healthy bits go back in. You'll need to do this every five to six years, spring or fall, it doesn't matter which. There you are. There's your answer. Okie dokie. If you want a really good pictorial or video explanation on how to dig and divide Mm -hmm. perennials like salvia, go to finegardening.com. And then they've got on dividing perennials, great video, good information. All right. And you, I'm off to Canada Blooms, but you're not. You're staying here. That's right. I'll be back at 11 o'clock. And uh, right off the top of Live in the City, we're going to be talking to the uh, one of the leads in South Pacific, which is on for its final week here in town. You Jason love the Howard. theater. I do. The theater. I do. The theater, darling. Yes, mm. Jason Howard, who plays Emile Debeck. <laughs> and, in fact, we might even get a, a little taste of his voice singing uh, some enchanted evening. I bet you'll mm. you'll get him to do just about anything with yes, some of your impersonations. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, Charlie, thank you so much. And David, well, again, thank you. Thank you to both of you. I couldn't do any of it without you. And our great callers, of course, make a difference. I'm off to a construction zone, but That's I'll right. see you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.